Carrie Ray, and you're listening to the Fisher of Zen podcast. A couple of years ago, we were awarded the unique opportunity to spend the Christmas holiday along the U.S.-Mexico border, just in time for a government shutdown spurred at least in part by a political dispute over that very border. Wearing the gravity of that situation as we explored the ruggedly beautiful terrain and the river that runs between our two countries offered a unique vantage point from which to contemplate the situation. The following piece was written shortly after that trip. Much has changed since it was penned, but our current challenges seem only to have widened existing fissures and opened up fresh ones between countries, states, neighbors, even families. It is with a little melancholy that I entertain the idea that the upshot of this message might just be evergreen. December 2018. It was, in many ways, a year of adventure for us, so it seemed only fitting to embark on one more before the calendar year turned over. We'd been hearing from our Texas friends for some time that Big Bend National Park should be on any outdoor lover's bucket list. So given our proximity and the fact that we were noodling on how to spend Christmas anyhow, since we were away from our families, we planned our first destination holiday. One of the perks of living full-time on the road is freedom, after all. A modest collection of wrapped packages and our intrepid little tabletop Tenenbaum were lovingly stowed and we pointed the carry van west and then south. Traditionally, the Thanksgiving to New Year time frame is one of the busiest seasons in the park. As fortune would have it, though our trip would be met with challenges, crowding would not be one of them. It was a six and a half hour drive from where we were stationed to the park entrance and another hour to our campground nestled along the Rio Grande. So though we left work a bit early on the 21st, after a stop in the gateway town of Marathon for a few additional provisions and to top off the fuel tank, we rolled into our site well after dark. All utilities hooked up and sight arranged, the two of us nestled, snug in our bed, while visions of mountaintops danced in our heads. We would register properly when the office opened in the morning. Drawing on piping cups of coffee, we watched first light cycle the yellow-brown canvas of surrounding mountains through a kaleidoscope of color. First, deep lavender, then dusty blue, pink, salmon, and gold. Pot empty and day packs full, we meandered over to the camp store to register our arrival. More people were milling about in the small space than I would have expected, though I couldn't initially fathom why. Our turn at the register was soon to reveal the culprit. As the clock struck midnight and we slept peacefully in ignorant bliss, it also ran out on a Senate bill that would have kept our government operational. The failure of the executive and legislative branches of the U.S. government to reach an agreement over the price tag of a proposed border wall had killed it. And unfortunately for us, national park funding was included in the doomed legislation. A letter-sized flyer taped to the counter informed us that this national park was on soft clothes. The camp store, operated by a private concessionaire, had been spared, but with national park staff on furlough, most other park resources were virtually unavailable. A soft close means that while all visitor centers are closed, 
Roads are still open. Visitors are allowed to be on premises and sanitary facilities remain open. Well, until they become unsanitary, for lack of cleaning. The day crossing to Boquillas, Mexico, over a walking bridge, a visitor favorite, was also closed. Camping permits were not available for those without a prepaid reservation or permit hoping to stay in the park, and extreme adventure would come at a higher-than-usual risk with limited emergency services available. Combine all of that with virtually non-existent cell service, and we were quite literally exploring blind. With no better option, we determined to use the absence of external direction or suggestion as a welcome excuse to wander. And wander we did. Our three days of hiking 20-plus miles of trails and exploring over 150 miles on scenic paved and dirt roads had us in an ever-changing landscape as we climbed up, down, and around the 6,000 feet of altitude change, 1,800 to 7,800, in the park's 800,000-plus acres of geological diversity. From wetland to desert, mesa, spring, canyon, river, and mountain basin, the variety of terrain and climate in such a relatively small area was truly remarkable. Oh, and did I mention the views? There's something about the combination of a sun hat on my noggin, trusty pack on my back, and boots on a trail that sparks a lifting in my spirit that quickly rises to lift the corners of my mouth before I even realize what's happening. The irony wasn't lost on us that we were staying within yards of the U.S.-Mexico border during a government shutdown that was mainly the result of a political standoff regarding funding for a wall along said border. I think the way I felt about it after visiting the park myself was summed up by a retired Big Bend ranger. The only people who believe that a wall down here is a good idea are people who have never seen this country. I mean, the mere visualization of an 18 to 30 foot high man-made barrier encroaching on some of the amazing views and blocking river access to the wildlife that depends on it left me heartsick. Thankfully, due to some pretty active protesting in 2017, the odds of the proposed wall, including stretches in the park, had diminished significantly. The irony of a fortified border deepened as I discovered that the main thrust of construction to build the park was completed by a civilian Conservation Corps crew of some 200 souls, 80% of them being Hispanic. And for nearly a century, spanning both sides of the park's 1944 opening date, a virtual transparent border was enjoyed by neighbors along the Rio Grande. In fact, until 2002, during the weekends of October, an international Good Neighbor Day fiesta was held at the Rio Grande Village where we were camped. A federal tightening of border security in response to the events of September 11, 2001, made it impossible for neighbors from the south of the border to attend legally. The park superintendent at the time issued the following statement about the event's cancellation. The annual fiesta is a celebration of both American and Mexican culture, one that promotes international goodwill and cooperation. We have opted to cancel it, this year, since our neighbors in Mexico, who have lived and worked along the border for generations, will not be allowed to attend. The fiesta has not been held since. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy these stories and interviews, please subscribe to the podcast and consider sharing it with your friends. And remember, if you want to have a peek at some of the amazing places mentioned in stories like this one, there are always photos posted with them over at fisherofzen.com. We humans love to draw lines. It starts young, with those made in playground dust by the dragging toe of a dirty sneaker. As we get older, we construct fences around fields and ranches, stack rock around pastures, and walls around gated neighborhoods. We seem attracted to the separation. I am me, you are you. This is mine, that's yours. Now, I certainly don't pretend to understand the intricacies of political discourse and have no training in international diplomacy. To be frank, there's a heap that I don't know about a heap of things. But I have made some observations over the decades that have informed my broader perspective. And frankly, the value of having a broader perspective. For one, I've noticed that it can be very tricky to construct a wall, concrete or virtual, designed to keep others out and not become, in a way, yourself confined. I've also noticed that when I try to throw an oversimplified solution at a complex problem or watch others attempt to do the same, it rarely, if ever, works. Even if one is a proponent of the proposed result, a more secure border, a scan of history will offer handy schooling on how ineffective border fences and walls have been at accomplishing that task. The Sumerians built the Amorite Wall, one of the earliest known defensive walls in history around the 21st century BC and were virtually wiped out by the Amorites. The walls of Jericho? (laughs) A ragtag bunch of marching refugees shouted them down. Great Wall of China? Great. Tourist attraction? Perhaps one of the most famous of our time, the Berlin Wall, came down just the same. In high school, I was given a chunk of it by a German friend that he had personally chipped away with a hammer as the wall came down, literally and figuratively. I can certainly get behind the idea of secure boundaries in political and personal relationships, but history has shown us again and again that they are made by friendly, or at least peaceful, folks working together to make it so. It requires even adversarial ones to seek common ground, or at least common good, as a place from which to step forward. I believe this to be true and have yet to encounter an argument to convince me otherwise. The steps to being a good neighbor, and the fruits of that effort, are as true across an international border as they are across a backyard fence. The wall itself has receded a bit from the public consciousness in the past three years, while the southern border remains a hot and unsolved topic. But as for me, I'm less concerned about the crisis between our country and our neighbors to the south than I am about the one that is unfolding among us. The one born of a polarization fueled by a mountain of media, news and social, crafted, curated, and calculated to reinforce our existing prejudices and positions while vilifying those who would dare oppose them. 
So as circumstances continue to present reasons for us to ponder physical separation, may we endeavor to remember and to remind each other that we're in this together. When it comes to gaining ground, may we seek the common rather than the battle. And in this waning season, as in all others, here's to peace on earth, goodwill to and from us all. Thanks for listening. Please join me next time. Until then, this is Carrie Ray, the Fisher of Zen, inviting you to let the outside in. If you have comments, questions, or topics you'd like to see covered on Fisher of Zen, please reach out at carrie at fisherofzen.com. <laughs>